Good morning and welcome to worship with us at Grace United Church on this Thanksgiving Sunday. My name is Sarah Brewer and I'm delighted to be here with you offering leadership this morning. My thanks to the many other people who are contributing to the service by sharing their gifts as well of greeting, music, decorating, reading, and technology. Also this morning, I want to thank my spouse, Beth, who shared her service for today while I was attend so that I could attend a conference on addiction and faith this week. And to my dad, Bob, whose choir at St. John's United Church in Elmvale prepared an anthem for us this morning. I want to thank those of you who are here with us in person this morning for following the pandemic precautions while you are here. These include, as you know by now, keeping your mask on, not singing along to the hymns, staying in your seat, and reading the responses with an indoor voice. Another of the ongoing differences you will note is that we won't be passing the offering plate during the service today. So we hope you will look for it by the door on your way out. Or if you're watching on TV, you can contact the church office if you wish to make a donation. On that note, we have a financial update that our treasurer George has prepared for us, which we'll watch now. Hello everyone. Don and I hope you, your family and your friends are doing well during these uncertain times. I wanted to take a few minutes to bring you up to date with regards to our 2021 financial position. Since the beginning of the pandemic in March 2020, we have continued to keep all staff employed. Staff found ways to continue with their, their programs and keep everyone informed. We finished 2020 with a surplus of $13,000 with the help of the government wage subsidy program. As you are aware, during the first part of 2021, we went through numerous shutdowns with restrictions restricted use of our church for services, activities, rentals, and fundraising. Weekly donations for church operations as well as mission and service have all been affected. We did have the benefit of receiving funds from the federal government under the wage subsidy program, and we did qualify for most of the year. Unfortunately, income has not covered all our expenses, and as of August 31st, 2021, we have a deficit of $14,000. At this time, we still do not have an indication as to when we can return to full use of our church. We are allowing some rentals and there are stringent COVID requirements in place. We can have in-person worship at this time, but with a 25% capacity. There's no socializing before the services begin and no singing permitted during the services. We can socialize outdoors after the service. However, this depends on the weather. With the current fourth wave, we don't yet know if we can continue meeting or will there be new restrictions. Time will tell. We will not qualify for any additional government financial assistance for the balance of 2021, and the current program ended on September 30th, 2021. We'll have to wait for the next parliament to convene to see if any new financial assistance programs will be put in place. At this time, we're looking for your financial assistance to help us reduce the current deficit, as well as ensuring we do not have a deficit at the end of the year. Your donations between now and December 31st will help ensure that we can continue to offer high quality ministerial and administrative services. Checks can be mailed to Grace United Church 
at 310 12th Street, Hanover, Ontario, N4N1V6, or can be dropped off at the church. E-transfers can be sent to Grace UC at Whiteman.ca or to Treasurer at GraceUnitedHanover.ca. There is also a Donate to Grace button on our website at www.GraceUnitedHanover.ca. We thank you for your ongoing support for Grace United Church. God bless. One of the activities here at Grace this fall is a Truth and Reconciliation series that several of us are experiencing along with neighbors from a few other United Churches. In this week's video, we heard an Indigenous woman named Stephanie acknowledge that people speak of truth and reconciliation, but in reality tend to just want reconciliation without the truth. In our small groups, we lamented that this is sadly true with, given our experience. So we begin our service each week with acknowledgement of the truth that long before my ancestors arrived in this place, the Ojibwe, the Anishinaabeg, the Haudenosaunee and the Métis people had been living here for thousands of years. When these people saw my ancestors moving into their land, cutting down trees and building homes, they met with them and in time, they created a living treaty through the two-row wampum. The core of this agreement was that Indigenous and European people would live together as brothers in friendship and peace forever. Yet we know that in the 400 years since that two-row wampum was created, our commitment to friendship and peace forever has been violated by people like me far too many times. We like to think of those violations as things of the past, but still today, colonial harm is being done. And so we pause as we begin today to remember this and to recommit ourselves to the promise of friendship and peace forever. May it be so. May the light of Christ shine brightly in our lives and all around us. Amen. On this Thanksgiving Sunday, let us begin with our service with gratitude. To wake from sleep into this day is gift enough for thanks. To hear a child's delight in laughter is gift enough for thanks. To sip a glass of clean, cold water is gift enough for thanks. To watch the sunset paint the sky is gift enough for thanks. To share a moment with a friend is gift enough for thanks. To smell the fragrance of moist soil is gift enough for thanks. To feel the comfort of clean clothing is gift enough for thanks. To form the words that make a prayer is gift enough for thanks. Let us form a prayer now. Generous God, Please release in us that spirit of joyful thanks, 
which is too often cramped down by our work and our worries, or ignored by our, our trivial pleasures and entertainments. Open our eyes to a larger awareness of your goodness and our souls to deeper gratitude. Then, uplisted with thanksgiving, may we give ourselves to challenging tasks with good grace and show all people, even those we find irritating, a glimpse of your amazing, abundant love for all creation. Amen. Good morning. Today's metaphor mission is called Dignity is on the Menu. Most of us appreciate a well-dressed table and can afford to go out for dinner from time to time. Many of us will be sitting down to elaborate Thanksgiving dinners. Our daily experience doesn't involve standing in line for every single meal with a tray in hand. That's why special dinners like Cafe Saint Zero Set that Ottawa-based Mission Service Partners Centre 507 hosts are so important. Several times a year, the Adult Drop-In Centre sets up a small room for a special fine dining meal with gourmet food, decorations, and candlelight. For just $2, participants have their choice of meal accompanied by full service and great company. We realize that people in our community struggling with poverty had to wait in line for a long time for a meal. When they were served, they weren't given any choice and felt pressurized to leave so that the next person could be served. That's why we started Cafe Saint Zero Set, says Richard LeBlanc, Center 507's Executive Director. We saw such a change in how people felt about themselves after experiencing this kind of meal that our ultimate goal is that this dining experience becomes the norm rather than the exception. While COVID-19 has been challenging, it has also helped the drop-in take an important step toward achieving their goal. One of the great things that happened is that when COVID-19 hit, we had to start a system where everyone sat down and was served, says LeBlanc. Center 507 now serves 25 people at sit-down meals and provides 150 people with meals to go each day. The cafe has incorporated a training program where participants learn to be servers too. We are taking the next step toward achieving our goal. We aren't going back to lineups after the pandemic, vows LeBlanc. Thank you for giving generously through mission and service. Your support helps create a world where everyone has enough food and it's served with dignity. Our scripture reading today comes from Matthew 6, verses 25 to 33. This is why I tell you not to be worried about the food and drink you need in order to stay alive, or about clothes for your body. After all, isn't life worth more than food? And isn't the body worth more than clothes? Look at the birds. They do not sow seeds, gather a harvest, and put it in barns. 
yet your Father in heaven takes care of them. Aren't you worth much more than birds? Can any of you live a bit longer by worrying about it? And why worry about clothes? Look how the wildflowers grow. They do not work or make clothes for themselves. But I tell you that not even King Solomon with all of his wealth had clothes as beautiful as one of these flowers. It is God who clothes the wild grass, grass that is here today and gone tomorrow, burnt up in the oven. Won't he be all the more sure to clothe you? How little faith you have. So do not start worrying. Where will my food come from? Or my drink? Or my clothes? These are the things the pagans are always concerned about. Your Father in heaven knows that you need all of these things. Instead, be concerned above everything else with the kingdom of God and with what he requires of you, and he will provide you with all these other things. I now read from Psalm 26. Excuse me, Psalm 126. A prayer for deliverance. When the Lord brought us back to Jerusalem, it was like a dream. How we laughed, how we sang for joy. Then the other nations said about us, the Lord did great things for them. Indeed, he did great things for us. How happy we were. Lord, make us prosperous again. Just as the rain brings water back to dry riverbeds, let those who wept as they sowed their seed Gather the harvest with joy. Those who wept as they went out carrying the seed will come back singing for joy as they bring in the harvest. Herein lies God's word. Amen. Let us pray. Generous and gracious God, we give you thanks for all the goodness in our lives. As we continue to reflect on your good news for all of us, may my words and the actions they inspire within us be a faithful reflection of your will for our lives. Amen. I want to start this reflection with a story that my wife tells from a trip she took to El Salvador as a young adult. Beth writes, we walked up the hill, tired, wet, and covered with mud. I'd long ago given up on trying to keep my skirt clean. It was simply impossible. There was mud everywhere. My sandals were encased in it. My long skirt dripped with it. It had rained all night, and the dirt roads of the little village in El Salvador had turned into a mess of mud that was simultaneously slippery and sticky. All of this was made even more challenging by the fact that the rain was still coming down in sheets all around us. 
My raincoat kept my top dry, although it made me hot in this tropical climate. But the rest of me was soaked through. For the umpteenth time, as we neared the end of the walk up the side of the mountain for this party, I wondered why had we come? Oh right, we had promised. Yes. There was no way to call and cancel since there were only three phones in the community and the family that we were visiting didn't have one of them. They'd been so thrilled that they might have international visitors to their home. But still, things were usually cancelled when it rained this hard. After almost 40 minutes instead of the expected 20, we arrived at a small group of houses perched atop a mountain. We were a disheveled pair, wet and tired and dirty. As we stepped onto the covered porch and out of the rain, the birthday girl bounded over, excited to greet us. It was her sixth birthday. She was wearing little white socks and white shoes and a frilly pink and white dress. The vision of that happy little girl with white socks and white shoes in a place surrounded by mud has never left me after more than 20 years. And when I think about gratitude, I often think about that little girl with white socks and white shoes surrounded by mud offering me a piece of her birthday cake. I can scarcely imagine the scrimping and planning that were required for that family to get that cake. They did not have an oven, so that cake was store-bought. And the nearest place where you could buy such a cake was Shalate, which was over an hour away by bus. It would have been a large expense in their small budget. I imagine with admiration how her mother or an auntie brought that cake out from the city on the overcrowded bus over bumpy dirt roads without damaging the pink icing at all. Maybe someone allowed her a seat because she had the precious cake or someone who was seated held the cake for her while she stood. I marveled at the girl's bright white socks in a place without sidewalks, with only cold running water, and even that cold water was unreliable. One thing I learned from my travels was never bring anything white. It just doesn't stay white long and hand washing with cold water cannot get it white again. Yet there was this little girl wearing bright white socks and shoes on a rainy, muddy day. To my privileged mind, neither that cake nor those socks made sense. Yet they both affirmed that for the family, the importance of celebration of thanksgiving even in the midst of struggle. Their daughter was six and they were going to have a party.
Celebrating Thanksgiving in the midst, in the second year of a global pandemic, may feel a little bit like trying to get a cake to a rural community in El Salvador. In Ontario here, we are fortunate our medical officer of health for the first time before a major celebration since the pandemic began, actually said he thought it was reasonable for families to gather in small numbers if everyone who is eligible is vaccinated. Absolutely, where possible, we are encouraged to take our celebrations outside, which the weather might even permit this year. Open windows when inside and keep our gatherings small. But Dr. Moore indicated the gathering is allowed this year, as long as we've had our shots. At the same time, we recognize that our neighbors in several Canadian provinces aren't so fortunate as they're dealing with a significant fourth wave of this pandemic. It's been a challenging time. And many of us might find ourselves reacting to the gospel lesson this morning with skepticism. Seriously, Jesus, you're telling us not to worry. That doesn't feel like very realistic advice in the midst of a pandemic, even one that we hope might be on a bumpy road towards ending. In addition to the ordinary worries of life, Many of us have added worries about the safety of our schools for our unvaccinated children, the risks to seniors and care homes, the devastating economic impact of this pandemic on so many businesses, the potential for surgeries to be canceled due to ICU capacity limits, the exhaustion of healthcare workers, soaring gas prices, and an inflation rate at the grocery store that is higher than we have seen in over a decade. A study out of Australia published this week in the journal Lancet reviewed mental health data for 2020 and found more than a 25% increase in both depression and anxiety in 2020 over 2019. Quite understandably, we're all more worried than we were a couple of years ago. And reopening itself can produce additional anxiety for some of us. It's great to be able to do more things, yet we know that the pandemic is more like a smoldering fire that could burst into flame if the fuel is added to it rather than a campfire that's been completely and thoroughly extinguished. And that makes figuring out what we ought to do now a bit of a balancing act. Dr. Tam suggested that if we can keep our in-person contacts to 70% of our pre-pandemic levels, modeling shows that we will continue to have a slow decline in cases rather than another surge. But that means it's not open doors and do whatever we want. We still need to find ways to limit our in-person contacts and be careful when we are meeting in person and navigating that complexity can be a source of worry for many of us. We're exhausted and we're longing for a return to something that feels at least kind of normal. We care deeply about the well-being of our community 
and especially the vulnerable, so we want to be careful. And then beyond our pandemic worries, most of us have other worries, both large and small. What will I eat? Will people like the pie I'm making for Thanksgiving dinner? What should I wear? Does this shirt look okay on me? Is my job secure? Will climate change mean that there are more devastating weather events? Did I spill toothpaste on my shirt when brushing my teeth this morning? If I did, has anyone noticed? How will my crops grow? What should I plant next spring to get a good price? Did I remember to lock the door when I left the house? Is this lump cancer? Will my aging car get me through another winter? How are the investments that I depend on during my retirement doing? And so much more. If you're anything like me, the significant worries like the material well-being of my family and community, the ecological health of the planet, and the safety of the people I love are often interwoven with everyday worries about saying or doing the wrong thing or what other people might think of my choices. Jesus' advice to his listeners that day on a hillside in Palestine, not to worry, seems even more startling when we remember that their daily reality was much closer to that village in El Salvador or a homeless shelter in Canada than to my middle-class life. Most of the people Jesus was talking to did worry about whether there would be any food at all to eat that day. Men tending their fields or outfitting their fishing boats worried about being conscripted into the Roman army. Women worried about dying in childbirth. People struggled to find clothing for growing children. Communities worried that their homes would be destroyed by soldiers. Yet Jesus' point about whether any of us can add even an hour to our lives by worrying seems to apply whether life is going well or full of struggle. The truth is worry seldom helps. What Jesus suggests actually helps us to cope with the struggles of life, big or small. What he says is appreciation and living in the moment. As Rabbi Abraham Heschel once said, humankind will not die for lack of information, but it may perish for lack of appreciation. Humankind will not die from lack of information, but it may perish from a lack of appreciation. Jesus' prescription for those who are struggling with worry is to consider the wildflowers and look at the birds. 
If he were speaking to us in North America in the fall, I wonder if he might have pointed us towards the leaves that are getting ready to fall to the ground. But before they do, they are showing us such marvelous beauty. Stop worrying and appreciate the beauty of the world around you. Don't wait for the world to be perfect or for life to be exactly as you wish it would be to celebrate. Throw a sixth birthday party in a rainstorm. Celebrate Thanksgiving in a pandemic. Sit in the park and watch the birds while you are waiting for a loved one you've dropped off at the emergency room. Such acts of appreciation, of celebration, of thanksgiving will strengthen you better to cope with the challenges of life. David Hallman, who was the United Church of Canada staff person for environmental issues for many decades before his retirement, echoed this wisdom when he first proposed that gratitude was the first and most important spiritual value for pursuing eco-justice. In his book, Spiritual Values for Earth Community, David tells how he first described his belief that giving thanks always was crucial to the work on climate change at the interreligious consultation on climate change and sustainability during the Kyoto Climate Summit in December 1997. Some of the participants from India and Bangladesh were incredulous. The people they were working with could hardly be expected to give thanks for situations in which their basic survival was constantly in jeopardy. David acknowledged their concerns and explained that in his context, he was primarily speaking to relatively affluent Westerners and that he was inviting folks to practice gratitude for the life-enhancing gifts of God, not one's materialistic well-being or lack thereof. Gratitude for the life-enhancing gifts of God, not one's materialistic well-being or lack thereof. But what really turned the conversation was a Hindu woman from India who suggested that without a profound gratitude for life and its blessings, no matter how meager they may seem, one's spirit can easily dissipate into a cycle of depression, anger, and frustration. She argued that a spiritual life founded on gratitude was necessary for maintaining the physical and emotional resources required for the long struggle for justice. David goes on to say that life is always filled with challenges, which can overwhelm us unless we have a dynamic and well-grounded spiritual reservoir on which to draw. Gratitude and thankfulness to God for the blessings of life are among the most important foundations for that reservoir. Gratitude is a spiritual reservoir that helps us when life is challenging, and keeps our spirits from dissipating into cycles of depression, anger, and frustration. Gratitude is necessary to sustain the soul in the long struggle for justice. 
appreciation, gratitude, thanksgiving. These are the doorways through which we enter into a deeper relationship with God, who is in all things, and through which we find the courage to continue the work for justice in the world. So this October, let's grab hold of the moments that present themselves to celebrate, to appreciate, and to give thanks. Whether we're alone or with others, outside or in, feeling worried or joyful, dealing with limited resources or surrounded by plenty, may we seize hold of every opportunity that presents itself to fill our spiritual reservoir of gratitude, knowing that being filled with thankfulness equips us to cope with the challenges in our lives and to do our part in our collective work of seeking justice in our communities and in the world. When we, appreciate, when we approach life with an appreciative spirit, it doesn't take much to find joy, as Carrie Newcomer describes in her poem, Three Gratitudes. Every night before I go to sleep, I say out loud three things that I'm grateful for. All the significant, insignificant, extraordinary, ordinary stuff of my life. It's a small practice and humble, and yet I find I sleep better, holding what lightens and softens my life ever so briefly at the end of the day. Sunlight and blueberries, good dogs and wool socks, a fine rain, a good friend, fresh basil and wild phlox, my father's good health, my daughter's new job, the song that always makes me cry, always at the same part no matter how many times I hear it, decent coffee at the airport, and your quiet breathing, the stories you told me, the frost patterns on the windows, English horns and banjos, wood thrush and june bugs, the smooth glassy calm of the morning pond, an old coat, a new poem, my library card, and that my car keeps running despite all the miles. And after three things, more often than not, I get on a roll and I keep on going. I keep naming and listing until I lie grinning, blankets pulled up by my chin, awash with wonder at the sweetness of it all. So my friends, may we be awash with wonder at the sweetness of it all, this Thanksgiving in the midst of a pandemic, and every day. May it be so. Amen. Let us pray. O oh God, source of all that has been, all that is, and all that will be, move us to thanksgiving not because of what we have, but because of who we are. Not because everything is going right in our lives, but because we know you are with us whether things are going well or not. Let our thanksgiving be expressed not only in feasting, but in sharing.
not only by enjoying what we have, but also in serving others. Not only on Thanksgiving weekend, but throughout the entire year. And because your love reaches deep into our hearts and out to the farthest corners of the earth, embracing every person, we pray now for ourselves and for others. For those who are confused or frustrated or lonely, for those who are sick in body, mind, and spirit, for those who carry heavy burdens of sorrow, pain, or grief, for those who struggle with times of the year associated with family celebrations, for those whose lives are bound by injustice or addiction or fear, For those who are unable to be thankful. We bring also the particular concerns of our lives and of our world, remembering today in a shared moment of silence those who we carry with us in our hearts. May the gratitude and love in our hearts be expressed in lives of joy and peace, which transform not only ourselves, but also the lives of those around us. We ask all this in company with the faithful throughout time and space, as we pray together the prayer that Jesus taught his friends. Our Creator, in whom is heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Friends, may today and every day be a day of thanksgiving. Go forth this day with joyful, thankful hearts. See the good in life and in other people. Rejoice in possibilities and know that you are loved. May you find the presence of God everywhere you go, today and always. Amen.